goes into making a TV broadcast in MotoGP? Well, to start, there's over 170 cameras used during the broadcast, but everything that we see is only a small part of the entire process. Welcome to Mission Winnow Presents Powering Innovation, the podcast that looks at the technology behind the racing in MotoGP. My name is Steve English, and as ever, I'm joined on the show by Alberto Nasca. And Nasca, this is going to be an interesting show, but why don't you tell the listeners about what we're going to go into over the course of this episode? Yeah, hello, Steve. Hello, everyone. When you mentioned 170 cameras, that drove me crazy. Not only just about the cameras, but then my brain started to think about how those cameras are connected to the to the to the TV track, and how the guy inside the TV the TV track is going crazy watching 170 videos and choosing which one is the best. So that really, really is interesting, and this is what we're going to talk about in this episode. So we're going to talk about how every how all the broadcasts become possible, all the challenges that the MotoGP has to face in order to provide us this wonderful TV coverage and how technically the cameras are are connected into each other and, uh, and they work. So this is going to be pretty interesting. Yeah, it's going to be a massive challenge for anyone to create a broadcast for MotoGP and a big challenge for us as well just to be able to explain it as well in the space of you know 25 minutes, 30 minutes. But I think for me, one of the biggest reasons that you have these challenges is to overcome them. And MotoGP is all about overcoming challenges. Whether you're a rider, an engineer or the TV director, everyone wants to be able to do the best job possible at all times. And Nasca, you were just mentioning some of the challenges there that the director faces he's got 170 cameras to try and keep track of he's obviously got a team of people around him to work with to be able to say okay let's go to this camera let's work together and try and figure out how to to tell the story the best way but the challenges of being at a racetrack and being able to put all those cameras into position that's just the first step that uh, has to be taken for the broadcast yeah, exactly. What's amazing is that, as you mentioned, the challenge is not only for the riders, but also for those that are working with the riders. And yeah, you mentioned 170 cameras. For example, in Portimao, we had the, the highest number of cameras ever used, 168, for being precise. And what's incredible is that we had 23 cameras on track, more than one per corner. And then we have 119 onboard camera, while 85 onboard cameras just in the MotoGP grid. We're talking about more than, I, I think more than four cameras per bike. So this is this is really really crazy. And one of the first thing that you have to think about is that you're not filming inside, for example, a room or a theater. You're filming inside a racetrack, which is like four, five, six, seven kilometers long. So that means that each camera needs to be connected to the track, not via radio, but via cable, because you know, the cable is the most reliable uh, connection system. And we're used to the HDMI cables that we use at home to connect our gaming console to the TV, but here we need much more powerful cables. So what they're using is uh, optical fiber cable, which is the same technology that we have for the high-speed internet. And they're using optical fiber, fiber cables and not metal cables because the optical fiber is more reliable, is faster. And what's cool about that is that, I, I don't know, have you ever seen an optical fiber cable inside? Yeah, whenever I was an engineer, it was one of the things that we used to work with quite a lot. And yeah. the, the, the best thing for them is that they use light to be able to transfer the data. So it's an awful lot faster, awful lot more reliable. And the, the advantages that you get from it are really felt 
especially now whenever you move to 4K cameras and the volume of data that's being sent is 12 terabytes during the course of the race. So you need to be able to have a fast connection. You need to be able to get that back to the truck, get that back as well to be sent back to Barcelona at the same time as well to be edited. So there's a huge just pressure being put on the system to make sure that we've got that fast transfer speed and that's why the fiber optics are used. 12 terabytes for one race, that's something incredible, really. And what's incredible also, talking about numbers, is that for each race, they they put down around 60 kilometers of cable to connect all the cameras to the track. 60 kilometers. Can you imagine that? Yeah, when you walk around the service road, you see all these cables that are being left and they're all pinned into the Armco barriers and they're hidden away in different sections. But whenever I saw 60k of it, I was thinking, yeah, oh, that surely that that that's a that's a typo. I had to go back through all the notes to be able to make sure. I had to listen to the interview again just to see maybe it was a mistake. But no, 60 kilometers of cable all the way around the track. It's 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 amazing the architecture that goes in behind the scenes to be able to build up this infrastructure. Yeah, sure. You know, uh, the thing is that not only the the camera signal is super big because we're talking about 4K, super high quality, but also we have the super slow-mo camera, which allows us to, to see those wonderful slow motions. And the thing is, the incredible thing is that if you think about a normal camera, I don't know the exact frame rate that you're using in MotoGP, but you usually have 50 frames per second, 60 frames per second, 100 frames per second, and then you have the super slow-mo camera, which is capable of producing 2,500 frames per second, which is 50 times more than a normal camera. This requires a huge bandwidth. Yeah, and that's the big challenge. It's to try and transmit that back to the truck and also back to the editing team in Barcelona that's involved in the broadcast as well. So the longest time that it'll take to get it sent from the camera back to Barcelona and back to the truck at the track is four tenths of a second. So if you imagine that no matter where we are in the world, you've got this is the demand. You've got to make sure that you're able to get all that data transferred as quickly as possible. It shows just how important having the right infrastructure in place really is. And that's where the fiber optic cables really come into their own because they can handle five times the load. They're low latency. They don't really have any of the other pressures that you could have with a, a wired cable. So, you know, magnets and different things don't really affect it. So you really are able to get the, the load transferred efficiently and also really quickly. And that's what the big challenge is for any of these things. And that's why whenever you're trying to build up a racetrack, it's really important to have all that architecture in place for the broadcast to be able to, to handle the load. And what we saw in Port de Mau, one of the longest tracks of the year, really just emphasized that all those cameras and all that data being transferred and they were still able to get it as quickly as possible back. Yeah, exactly. What you mentioned when you're talking about Barcelona is something that we need to, to discuss more in depth because it's something that the people don't know, uh, how, how does the broadcast work? You know, you have the cameras on track, which are connected to the track, okay, which is an actual track on on the track. Sorry for the, <laughs> I don't know how to say when you when you play with the words, but yeah, you have the truck on the track, which is responsible for the direction. But all the footage that they create, that they produce on track, as you mentioned, is sent directly to Barcelona, where they um, where they complete the production before sending it to, to to the television. Okay, and this is incredible. Thinking that we have one team working on track, which might be twenty thousand kilometers from Barcelona, 
which is working in real time with the team in Barcelona. This is something that requires an incredible technology, an incredible evolution, an incredible innovation. We need to have a data transfer which has to be super fast and super reliable because you cannot have a delay, you cannot have an error, you cannot, you cannot miss data because that's the, the footage that will be sent broadcast to all the world. And it, it's nice to see that because this is not, not only an innovation about technology, but this is also an innovation about uh, quality of life, you know. If the team which is working for the broadcast is not required to travel every week to the other side of the world, but can work in Barcelona, this means they will be happier, they will work better, they will be less stressed. Also, it helps to decrease the costs. You know, less people traveling means less cost and also less carbon emissions. Yeah, and we're seeing that more and more being a really important thing for broadcasters and for championships because they need to be able to retain their staff, they need to be able to keep everyone happy, and they need to be able to reduce costs and reduce emissions. And it's why an awful lot of broadcasters that work in MotoGP, whether it's you know the British broadcasters or from any of the other nations, they're actually going to stop sending a big team of people to racetracks because they want to be able to send just their presenting team and a couple of cameras, and they want to have all of their production being done back at base and it's the same for what happens with MotoGP because you want to have as small a crew as possible on site because if you're able to have people working from Barcelona you're able to make sure that they're happier not everyone wants to travel but everyone wants to be able to work in the field that they're interested in so if you're able to stay in Barcelona and still get paid if you're able to stay in Barcelona and still work on what you want to do you're going to be a lot happier and by Retaining staff, you're able to have that consistency all the way through broadcast for year on year. And that's what people want. When I sit at home to watch a race, I want to be able to know that it's going to be a quality production, that we're going to have all the things that you want to have involved in a broadcast on a consistent basis. And that's what you see now, because you're able to effectively, just like everyone else, work from home. And that can make a big difference for staff and uh, just being able to retain a team. And that's one of the big advantages that we're seeing from being able to do this. And it's probably a natural development. If you look at what's happened over the last 20 years, when you've gone from standard definition to high definition to 4K, the load's increased all the time, but the technology's improved all the time. And by being able to improve that technology, it's the same as using your own phone. You've gone from having a standard phone that could only make and receive calls to suddenly now with 5G handsets, what you're able to do with them. And it's that same evolution of speed and technology that's really assisted a broadcast and it's making a big difference for how you're able to build a broadcast. Yeah, exactly. And all the all these things that he mentioned allowed us to understand how complex it became to produce to produce such a high quality broadcast with with 170 cameras with the live uh, animation, charts, graphics. So this meant that nowadays the MotoGP cannot rely on local broadcasters every time, which cannot always produce the same quality of content, which uh, is not always the same crew, the same team. This is why MotoGP created its own uh, broadcasting crew, which traveled to all the to all the circuits. Okay, we said we have a, a part of the team where it works in Barcelona, but the other team travels to all the circuit. This is the same team that works in every circuit and this is from MotoGP. Uh, this became possible because if we think about 25 years ago, 
it was almost impossible to ship everything in a short amount of time. Now, with also with the evolution on travels, on transport, and in technology, now it's possible. So the MotoGP for each race trucks brings the cameras, the cable, the track, the direction, everything. The only thing that sometimes the, the track provide is the, the, the structure. For example, when I think about Mugello, if you've ever been to Mugello, you will see that there are those um, big metal uh, towers where you put the cameras, and those are fixed. They are always there, and they are always used for every race, for every kind of broadcaster. So this is the structure that the, the racetrack provides, but all the rest is brought by the MotoGP itself. And I... I cannot imagine the logistics behind that, really. Yeah, and I think that's probably one of the biggest challenges facing any broadcaster. And you see it at the end of year whenever there's the big photo shoot for all the Dorna staff at one of the races. And, you know, the half of the Valencia grid is usually filled with the staff that it takes to be able to put on the show that we have in MotoGP. And that's the people that build the paddock, the people that operate the cameras, everyone involved. And really it is a case of everyone has a job to do and there's a reason that they're there and like you said Nasca, the biggest difference we've seen over the last 25 years is that all these people go to all the races and it means that we've got a much improved tv package and it's the same for lots of other championships as well where the tv package has improved because it's consistent in the past you would have had some some countries that have motorcycle racing really inbuilt into them and they would have really good broadcasts because the people were passionate about it, knew what they were doing. And then suddenly you might go to another country that was new to motorbike racing and they didn't really understand it fully and the broadcast would suffer from that. So being able to bring your own team to all the events really does make a big difference. Yeah, exactly. And think about the logistics. I mean, sometimes when I go on track, I want to film myself. I forget home the, the micro SD card and I say, oh my God, I cannot film myself. And I'm talking about one guy with one camera. And think about... Uh, uh, a crew made of 100 people, 170 cameras. They, they cannot allow themselves to forget one cable in another racetrack. They cannot allow themselves for the flight to be late to bring the cables or the cameras on track. That's something that really drives me crazy when I think about how complicated it is to organize this. And if we want to look at the flow, so how the, um, the footage goes from the camera to the TV... The flow is that the the flow is captured by the cameras, okay, and it's transmitted in real time to the direction truck inside the racetrack. And on track we have different trucks because we have, for example, one for cameras, and we have another one for graphics for graphics and replace. So we have different directors because you know, in MotoGP as you can see we have real time graphics. If we have one rider following another one, we can see the speed, the gears, the tracker, which is tracking in real time the motorbike in front. We have the small camera inside another camera. So all of that is something that needs to be created in real time. So we have one truck just dedicated for graphics and for replays. So we have one director, for example, for onboard, which is um, the one that chooses which on board to, to show. We have one director for replays, and then all of them, they provide the selected material to the main director, which is the one that receives this footage and decide which, um, which image to, to, broad to broadcast and to send. Then all the footage, as we said, goes to Barcelona, and we're talking about 
400 milliseconds for it to, to reach Barcelona. And then it's broadcasted all around the world. And the audience, it's something incredible. We're talking about 200 nations that received the, the broadcast signals for 25,000 hours of coverage per season. So this really allows us to understand how huge it is. And this is possible also due, thanks to the technology that uh, is, is that is going on. For example, the 5G is going to be the future. Thanks to the 5G, we will be able to see a better signal anywhere in the world, to see many more on board, to be able to choose which which onboard camera to watch. This is this is something that really amazes me. Yeah, and I think, Naski, you mentioned that the 5G, that's going to be one of the key things that we see over the course of the next few years in that development as well, because everything about our lives is going to change with technology as it improves as well. And one of the easy comparisons that you can make between things are, is look at your house. You can connect any device to the internet now, whether that's your fridge, whether that's your home heating, whether it's your air conditioning. The light so bulbs. Means the light bulbs or the, even the access to your house by, by the lock on the door. So there's loads of different ways that our everyday life has changed just by being able to connect all these devices to the internet. And then imagine that just pumped up to 11 whenever you put in cameras at trackside being able to be connected directly as opposed to needing the cables. Suddenly, you might see that that changes as well, what they're able to do with not so much the fixed cameras, you could still use them with the same infrastructure, but you could change what you do in terms of the RF cameras, the remote cameras that you see wandering up and down pit lane. Suddenly, if they're able to be connected to a faster speed, it changes what they're able to do. It changes everything about how they're going to be able to film. And... That's one of those areas where we're going to see big steps forward over the course of the next five, ten years, you'd imagine, is just being able to use that uh, connectivity. Yeah, and you mentioned the cameras, and one thing that amazes me is the onboard cameras, because I use them every day, so I know how important they are to, to, to make people live the action in first person uh, as a, and have the perspective of the, of the rider. And... Um, What's, what's amazing is that now we can have all these, all those onboard cameras because of the technology, okay? Because, for example, we have seen that they introduced the, three, the 360 degrees cameras recently. And the thing is that it's not that the, the 360 degrees camera wasn't invented yet. It's just that the technology was not ready for us to use it because it, it's a signal in 4K, which requires a huge bandwidth, and we needed the development of the technology to be ready for that. And that's nice to see how uh, the evolution of the world in general is allowing us to see better footage, better video, better broadcast, better live show. And talking about the, the normal board camera that we usually see, not the 360 degrees one, but the normal ones, the first one that he ever used an onboard camera in MotoGP was Randy Mamola in Assen in 1985. And it was 35 years ago. And now look at what, what we achieved. 35 years later, we have 119 onboard cameras from 1 to 119. 85 just on MotoGP, which means that each bike in MotoGP can have 3 to 4 camera. That's, that's amazing. That's amazing, really. And also it's amazing if you think about that some of those cameras can broadcast it live to the team, which are able to see the live actions from some part of the grid. 
And that's important also for the team to be able to see real time what's happening on track. Because for example, I race as an amateur and I know the struggle of the team which doesn't know how I'm doing until I reach the next sector. And then I see, okay, I'm still there or I crashed. Now you can see it in real time. And also the team can work on a strategy based on the TV feed that they see. Yeah, and there's a lot of times whenever the team were able to see things that they wouldn't see otherwise, like you said, Nasca. It could be where they suddenly see that, oh, well, you know, a rider is trying different things during the race. It could be just because they're in a battle. It could be for any other reason. And that's one of the big things that is an advantage from the onboard camera. And it's, it's interesting when you look at how the onboard camera really has evolved. It's gone from a very simple camera when Randy Mamola used it initially to suddenly one that was able to use gyroscopic cameras long before they were really available commercially and then suddenly that also then morphed into the 360 camera and the 360 camera is sending out a 4k signal so it's sending out huge volumes of data and like you said that brings with it a massive challenge to be able to transmit that comfortably across a network and that's only for one of the onboard cameras and like you said nasca we've got lots of onboard cameras now during a race yeah, and also being a, a video maker, so I used many onboard cameras in my in my job. I always was looking at the MotoGP and wondering which model they were using on the bike. So sometimes I, I put the, the TV broadcast on pause and try to zoom in the bike to see what model they were using, and I, and I couldn't recognize it. And that's because that's because the the onboard cameras used in MotoGP are produced specifically for MotoGP in collaboration with the manufacturers. So Dorna has its own research and development team, which is responsible of making all of this possible. So this this probably allowed the, the, the listeners to, to understand how big that is. Yeah, it just shows that the innovation in MotoGP goes far beyond the teams. It's all the way through the paddock. And like I said at the start of the show, whether you're a writer, an engineer, or the TV director, you want to make sure you're able to do the best job possible. And that filters all the way down, even just to the technicians that are involved in developing the onboard cameras. It's it's tremendous feats of engineering all the way through the through the paddock. And it just goes to show why the show that we see for MotoGP is unlike anything else. You know, like this is a broadcast that goes to 200 countries. There's 25,000 hours of footage per season. And it's just filled with great content for us to be able to watch as a fan. And it also means that it constantly has to get better. Because if something stays the same, a customer's never happy. They want it to get better and better. Yeah, and today the customer, the fans are able not just to watch the race, but also to pick up which on board to watch. So it became not passive, but it became interactive. This is the future. Yeah, and I think for, for me as a fan, it's always good whenever you're able to say, all right, well, I want to be able to sit and watch. Let's pick the most exciting rider out there. Let's sit and watch a full race with Mark Marquez. If he has to come through the pack, it's like nothing else. And if you're able to sit there and, and watch it back through, it's great. And it's actually one of the things that I always enjoy doing after a race is to sit down and actually watch the onboard footage that you can see because you're able to understand so much more about what's gone on during the course of the race. Exactly, exactly. In this episode, we talked about the technologic evolution of the broadcast. And there, there is also one very important technologic evolution, which is the evolution of the data analysis. Because all the data that we see in the charts, in the TV, talking about the gears, the speed, it's nothing compared to the data that the bike produces for every race 
for the team to analyze and to work on the bike. So this is going to be what we're talking about in the next episode. It's going to be super interesting because many of the things that we will talk about, first time that I saw them, I said, oh my, that's impossible. That's really impossible. Yeah, and data analysis will be what we focus on on next week's show as well and uh, very different to what we talked about with the TV broadcast for this week's show. But this brings us to the end of this week's episode of Mission Winnow Presents Powering Innovation. So a big thank you from myself, Steve English, and Nasca, a big thank you from you as well. Thank you, Steve. Thanks, everyone, for listening to us and see you in the next episode.